Well, we have been talking about our identity in Christ this semester, and today we are going to talk about that part of our identity that declares, I am healed. Now, this can be a tough one because healing has not always been what we have experienced, and sometimes it's easier for us if we can just ignore those parts of our identity that we maybe don't fully understand. But if we do that, then we can't have everything God has for us. So we're not going to do that here. We are going to look at this topic of healing today, all right? Okay, fresh ears, fresh eyes. Let's read 1 Peter 2.24. Who himself, speaking of course of Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. All right, so according to Peter, Healing is a past tense reality. When Jesus went to that whipping post and took those stripes on his back just before he went to the cross, the Bible tells us that you were healed there, that Jesus purchased there the right for you to experience healing and to claim healed as your identity. Now, you might be thinking, but I'm sick. So how can healed be my identity if I'm sick? But when it comes to determining identity, our first question can never be, what is my experience? Our first question must always be, what does the Bible say? All right, so let's start there. What does the Bible say about healing? No apologies, no yeah buts. We are going to take an honest look at what the scripture says, and only after we have done that, then we'll talk about our experiences. Now, we are going to go there. We're going to talk about the tough questions, I promise you, but we have to begin with the word because it's the baseline for all truth. All right, so what does the scripture say? Well, the Bible has actually a lot to say about healing. Uh, We can't even scratch the surface of it all today. But we are going to look at three of what I'm just calling proofs that healing is for the believer. Now, I'm using that word proof in the legal sense of that word. So if you could picture yourself standing in a courtroom and your adversary is there, it's the courtroom of God. He has illegally put sickness or disease upon you and you are there to appeal to that court to have that illegal activity ended. These proofs we're gonna talk about would hold up in court. The verdict would go in your favor because healing is your right as a believer. It's it's a covenant right that you have. All right, so let's look at proof number one. It is Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, together with Matthew 8, 16 and 17. So let's start with Isaiah 53. Now that chapter, even though it's in the Old Testament, it's a prophecy about the coming Messiah. So it's about Jesus, even though it's in the Old Testament. So verses 4 and 5 say, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Same thing Peter said. Now, some theologians have told us that this healing is spiritual health, that it doesn't really have anything to do with our bodies. But let's look and see if that's really true. And let's begin by looking at the Hebrew definitions for these two words, griefs and sorrows. The Hebrew word for griefs is koli. It means malady, anxiety, calamity, 
disease, or sickness. And the Hebrew word for sorrows is makab. It means anguish or affliction, grief, pain. All right, so with those definitions in mind, that's what Isaiah was saying. Now let's look at Matthew. Matthew chapter 8. When evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with the word, and he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. All right, this passage in Matthew is a fulfillment of the, the prophecy that we just read in Isaiah. And look at how Matthew quoted Isaiah. All right, Isaiah said, Jesus bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Matthew said, Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. See, the Bible interprets the Bible. So when Isaiah said that Jesus was, was bearing our, our sicknesses, our griefs, our pains, and when he said that Jesus took those stripes on his back for our healing, it must have included physical health because Matthew would have translated these words correctly. And also notice, Matthew said Jesus took sickness. The Amplified Bible says he took it in order to carry it away. And again, this is past tense. This already happened. All right, let's look at proof number two. This one's found in the redemptive names of God. Now, these are called the redemptive names because each one of these names points to a benefit, a blessing that we get because of redemption. Now, we're going to talk about what it means to be redeemed in an upcoming lesson. But for today, let's just quickly read through these names. Jehovah Ra'ah means the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Nisi is the Lord is our banner or victor or captain. Jehovah Titzkanu means the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. And Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there or the Lord is present. All right, those are six of the seven redemptive names. And we still count on each and every one of those names every single day, do we not? Can we just agree that we still count on these names? All right, well, there's a seventh. And the seventh name is Jehovah Rapha which means I am the Lord thy physician, or I am the Lord that heals thee. All right, this name was revealed to Moses in the book of Exodus, in Exodus 15, 26, where God said, I am the Lord, that's Jehovah, who heals, Rapha, you. Rapha means to mend by stitching, to cure, to cause to heal. It means a physician to repair thoroughly, to make whole. Okay, so God here reveals himself as our physician. Just think about that. Almighty God who created heaven and earth is your doctor. And God would no more abandon this redemptive name than he would abandon the other six. So we just agreed. We still count on those every single day. But we have been told that this particular name of God passed away with the apostles. That when the last apostle died, healing just kind of died with it. That God just doesn't move that way anymore. Okay, let me just ask you. If that were even possible for a name of God to no longer be in effect, for it to be obsolete, how do we know we can still count on the other six? 
I mean, if this name is no longer operative, then how do we know we can still count on God's peace or his righteousness or his provision? Do you see here that God said, I am the Lord who heals you. And nobody has the right to change that I am to an I was. God is your healer. All right, how about proof number three? And it is that salvation by definition includes healing. In Romans 1.16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. That word salvation is the Greek word soteria, which means rescue, safety, deliver, health, and save. How about the word saved? John 3:17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is the Greek word sozo. This word means to save, deliver, protect, heal, preserve, do well, and be or make whole. Okay, so let's take that definition and put it back into the verse. God sent his son into the world that the world through him would be saved, delivered, protected, healed, preserved, and made whole. Do you know in Matthew chapter 9, we read the story of the woman with the issue of blood, and Jesus healed her, and then he said to her, woman, your faith has made you whole. That word whole is our Greek word sozo. It's the same word. Now, typically, when we say, I am saved, we're, we're usually talking about forgiveness of sins. We're, we're making the statement that we have been forgiven and we don't have to go to hell, and thank God, that's in there. But God provided healing for all of you, your spirit, your soul, and your body, when he sozoed you, when he saved you. See, he didn't leave anything out. Salvation is all-inclusive. It is, is the complete payment for everything that we need for life and godliness. God didn't leave anything out. All right, now those are our three proofs. And here's what we need to understand. Those proofs are promises. So let's look at some characteristics of a promise. The first one is that promises are invitations. All right, so when we see a promise from God, we're actually reading something that he is inviting us to. He's essentially saying, look here, I am inviting you to experience this. I want you to have this blessing. Okay, 2 Peter 1.4 says, Because of his glory and his excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption that is caused by human desire. All right, so God has given us precious promises. And through those promises, he invites us to partake of his nature. Do you know sometimes it seems like people will pray for healing and it just comes so quickly for them. They just, you know, they hear maybe for the first time that this is a blessing that God has for them and they hear it and they say, man, that's awesome. And so you pray. And they apply just the tiniest amount of faith. To the seasoned believer, it almost looks more like cautious hope than faith. And bam, there it is, they're healed. What happened? God invited them to taste of his goodness. See, he wants them to know. Maybe because they're just hearing it for the first time, or maybe because they knew and they forgot how good he is. But he wants them to experience his goodness. Healing is an invitation. 
It's an invitation to the world of how good God is. But healing doesn't always come that quickly. How many of you know? All right, and that's because promises are also seeds. And seeds have to be planted before what is in them can, can be produced. You've probably seen me hold up this little guy before. This is an acorn. Okay, this acorn has to be planted if it's going to produce an oak tree. We see the promises, and to us they look like this. See, we see the promise in seed form, but God sees them fulfilled. See, so I look at this and I see an acorn. God looks at this and he sees an oak tree. Now this is that, that uh, topic of, of sowing and reaping that we have returned to many, many times in sisterhood. But here's the thing. See, God expects us as we grow in him and begin to mature in him, he expects us to start applying this principle. And you, if you notice, when you look at the word of God, often you will read these promises and they're so emphatically stated. Just as in the case of healing, God says, you are healed, you were healed. And those promises are stated like they're already true. And that's because in the mind of the Father, they are because God sees it fulfilled already. And he wants us to take that seed and plant it in our heart. Now, how do we do that? Well, we plant it by believing it. But then we don't just plant it one time and forget about it. We keep returning to it. And we keep nurturing it. Like we're watering a seed. And that seed begins to put down roots and grow and produce what is contained in it in our lives. You know, it seems like just many times in life we're trying to reap a harvest in areas where we've never planted any seed. And if a farmer did that, we would call him crazy. And yet we try and do it spiritually all the time. So if you want to reap the result of healing in your life, then you need to plant the promises of healing in your heart. All right, we all okay? All right. The third characteristic of a promise. Well, let's read 8.22, Genesis 8.22 before we move on. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. It's an important verse for us to have covered because this law of sowing and reaping isn't going anywhere. So we need to cooperate with it. All right, now let's look at the characteristic of a promise that they are to be believed. Now the Bible is full of promises that are left unappropriated, unenjoyed by believers just because they don't believe. Now, we see uh, the major example of this in the Word of God in the book of Exodus, where God brings the people out of Egypt. They cross the wilderness. God brings them all the way up to the threshold of the promised land. Everything he had promised them was in that land, but they couldn't enter the land because they didn't believe God. And that's exactly what Hebrews 3.19 says. We see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. All right, well, healing is part of our promised land because it's a promised blessing from God. And we don't want to miss out on anything that God has for us because of unbelief, do we? So then the only remedy for that is to believe God. Whether he is offering you a promise as an invitation or as a seed, believe him. Believe that promise. 
if you expect to see it come to pass in your life. All right, so we've looked at what the Bible has to say about healing, and we've looked at what to do with those promises. Now, let's talk about our experience. All right, so if my body doesn't line up with what we just read is our identity, now what do I do? Now, before we get too far into this, I want you to know that I know disappointment, and many of you do, I know as well. See, I, I know how hard this is. I know what I'm asking you to do is difficult. In fact, one of the hardest things that you will ever have to do is step over a disappointment on your way to obtaining a promise from God. But even though it's difficult, do you know, I think we give up way too easy, too quickly in this area of healing. We have struggled to understand why things didn't turn out the way they thought, we thought that they would. And so then we've, the only answer we could come to is, well, I guess healing just isn't God's will for me. I guess that that's just not what he has for me. I'm, this promise must not be for me. But how would it look if, I, if we took that same exact reasoning and applied it to any other area of, of the promises that God has for us? How would it look, for example, if I were standing up here telling you, God wants you to experience peace. He has promised you peace. He has given you his peace. Peace is for you. And I taught a whole lesson on that. What do you think would happen if you turned to the ladies at your table for your discussion time and you said to them, you know, I hear what she's saying and I see it and I have prayed for peace and I want it and I agree with that that promise is there, but I've not experienced peace. Well, what I think you would hear is, well, let's go back to the word because I, need, I want to encourage you. This promise is for you. God promised you his peace. Let's not give up. Let's pray again. Let's pursue this and dig in until we have what God said you could have. That's what I think you would hear. Here's what I hope you would not hear. Well, you prayed. Didn't happen. I guess this promise isn't for you. You know, just sit tight. Maybe next week we'll talk about a promise that does apply to you. That would never happen. Why? Because we are believers. And what do believers do? They believe. We believe God's promises. We believe what he said. We believe he is faithful. We believe he keeps his promises. Amen? Okay, so all I'm asking you to do is can we apply that same certainty to this promise of healing? Now, if you have prayed for healing before, and you've been disappointed, you didn't get what you prayed for, and you want to know why, that's a valid question. God has an answer for you. If you will pursue him in sincerity and without indicting him, but do not disqualify yourself from receiving this promise just because you backed away. It's too hard. You didn't have the answers that you were looking for. Now again, I know what this is like. I have experienced disappointment. I was born into a family of six. I am the second daughter of four born to my parents. My sister Brenda and I, who is here today, she and I are the only ones left in our family. Our parents are with the Lord. Our two younger sisters are with the Lord. That's disappointing. Personally, I was born with an eye disease. This disease causes night vision problems, night blindness, and it causes tunnel vision and a whole host of annoyances that go with those two things. 
I regularly bonk my head on things. I trip and fall over things. I can't see them. They're outside of my plane of vision. There are rooms I can't go in because they're too dark. Restaurants I can't eat in. I am very dependent upon my family in cases like that, even just to go to a movie. I wonder sometimes if I have a reputation, even here, of being a snob because people try and greet me. They try and shake my hand. They try and give me a hug. They try and say hello to me. I don't see them, so I walk right by them. And if I have ever done that to you, I am sorry. I didn't see you. Do you know, I, I've given up driving, and that's annoying. You know, there are places I would like to go. I would like to have lunch with friends or go shopping or run errands. I can't do those things. It's annoying. It's disappointing. But even more than just the daily annoyances, there is no cure for this disease. And the tunnel vision just gets increasingly worse until there's no vision left. And I have been told that without the healing power of God, I will one day be completely blind. That's disappointing, except that I am not without the healing power of God. Now, every encounter that I have with disappointment, whether they're big disappointments or just small disappointments, the major things that I grapple with, the fear, and the times that I just bonk my head and it's very painful, but I choose to press on when out of my mouth comes the promises of God instead of the complaints that I feel like speaking. When every time that I press through those times and just keep pursuing the promises, that seed that I have been planted, planting and nurturing, those roots go down just a little bit deeper. And that tree becomes a little more established in me. And it begins to grow and mature in me. And because I chose to do that, instead of giving up and giving in, and believe me, I don't do it perfectly, but because I did what I'm about to tell you to do, I was prepared when just a few years ago, I found two lumps in my breast. Again, disappointing. But because I had already been doing for a time what I'm going to tell you to do, I was ready, spiritually speaking. I knew how to deal with the fear. I knew how to pursue God for this. And by his direction, I just began to walk in faith in this journey. And over time, and listen, it took a lot longer than I thought it would, but those lumps began to shrink with absolutely no medical intervention at all until they were completely gone. Praise, yes, praise God. Now, here's the thing. It took longer than I thought it would. And God, in his infinite wisdom, didn't give me so much as a goosebump to alert me that he was working in my body. He actually expected me to go only, for the only evidence that he gave me, was the promise. But that's enough. Do you know we can't bring the Bible down to the level of our experience, can we? So then the only option is to elevate our expectation up to the level of his word. All right, how do we do that? Here's what I did. Number one, forget not his benefits. Whenever we're faced with anything in life that contradicts the word of God, the first thing we need to do is return to the word. 
All right, uh, Psalm 103, two through three says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. All right, so based on this passage, he heals all your diseases, is as much a benefit of God as he forgives all your iniquities. Do not forget this benefit. Now, it seems funny to me that we would have to be told not to forget such a benefit. How could we possibly forget? Well, we forget because a lot of times our life doesn't match the benefit. And if we get our eyes on our life and what's going on there, we're going to forget the benefit. But we can't do that. We cannot forget what God has done. We have to make our souls remember what he did and make our souls bless the Lord. All right, second thing we need to do. Don't waver. Speak life. All right, your body might be screaming. I feel horrible. But you make your mouth say, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Now, can I just tell you, that feels ridiculous to say something that is so opposite the report of your senses. But you know what? It's exactly what God did. Let's look at Romans chapter 4. Verse 17 says, as it is written, I have made you, speaking of Abraham, a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. All right, so God called Abraham the father of many nations when that reality didn't exist. Abraham didn't have children. And yet that's what God said. The Amplified Bible says that God speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already happened. And see, that's the certainty of a promise of God. Once a promise is given, it is so certain to come to pass that you can actually speak about it as if it already had. And there's no reason to feel silly for doing it. All you're doing is agreeing with God. Your life says one thing, God says the other, and you're saying, I'll choose to agree with God. Thank you very much. All right, now let's look at Abraham's response to this promise. It says, contrary to hope, in hope Abraham believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So let's stop there and talk about this phrase, contrary to hope, in hope believed. All right, hope is the expectation of good. Abraham had absolutely no human reason for this hope. He expected something from God that was opposite what he could naturally expect if he just looked at his own circumstances. You could say it this way. Abraham expected the promise of fatherhood to come to pass even though he was disappointed by what his own eyes told him. All right? How did he do it? Well, let's read on. Not being weak in faith, Abraham did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. All right, so Abraham didn't waver because he didn't consider his own body. See, it didn't matter to Abraham that his own body told him having a child at his age was impossible. He just didn't ask his body's permission to believe what God said. 
he chose not to waver because he was fully convinced that if God said it, God will do it. It's no big deal. It's no big deal what my body said. And here's the thing. If Abraham could believe God this way, then guess what? So can we. Abraham proved that it's possible. We can choose to agree with God. We can refuse to waver. We can choose to speak life. All right, third thing we need to do is pray believing. How would you talk to God about your need if you truly believed that he had already provided healing for you? Do you know, I think that we uh, would thank God more and beg him less. I think we complain less. I think we'd pray with joy and with peace and with thanksgiving rather than with panic. Now, Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, he said, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. All right, notice the order here. Believe what you have asked is given based only on God's promise and then you will get it. Now, this is one of the areas that God showed me I have been missing him because I had been praying for God to do something that he had already done. I was praying for God to bring healing to me as if he hadn't done anything about it already. But what did Jesus say on the cross? He said, it is finished. Everything that we need has already been provided. We talked about this when we talked about spirit, soul, and body. It's all done. God gave it by grace. He put it in your born-again spirit. Now it's, it's sitting there waiting to be drawn out by faith. Romans 8, 11 says that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. All right, healing isn't out there waiting to be prayed to you. If the Holy Spirit resides in you, then guess where healing is? It's inside you. God has already done everything that, that we need. We just can't see it yet. We can't always see it in our bodies yet. Do you know, we tend to look at the blessings of God as being in two columns, done and undone. But we need to change the titles on these columns to seen and unseen. Because all of God's promises are done. We just can't see them all yet. Augustine put it this way. He said, faith is to believe what you do not yet see. The reward for this faith is to see what you believe. But believing comes first. All right, the last thing we need to do, you need to choose your response. All right, now, a disappointment, by definition, is the defeat of an expectation. So things just didn't turn out like you thought that they would, like you had planned on them to, to turn out. Now, we don't choose to be disappointed, but we do choose our response. The first thing that we could choose is discouragement. Now, discouragement, by definition, is the loss of courage or confidence. So let's put those two definitions together. We can allow the defeat of our expectation to rob us of our confidence. All right, so we lack the courage to keep pursuing that promise because we fear being disappointed again. Now, here's what's interesting. You don't have to disbelieve a promise to do this. You can still fully agree with the promise, but you just lack the courage to pursue it anymore. 
And I know that this can happen because I did it. After my mom died, I prayed a very sincere, very heartfelt, very stupid prayer. And it sounded something like this. You know, God, I, I, believe, I believe your word promises healing. I can see it so clearly. I, I agree that that promise is there for the believer. But I'm missing you somewhere. And I don't know where. And I'm tired. And I don't want to do this anymore. So for now, I'm just going to take this whole thing called healing and I'm going to put it on the shelf and I'll get back to it later. I actually did pray that prayer. And I think about that now and I cringe. Because what was I really saying? God, I'm just going to shelf your promise. I'll get back to it later. I think Paul would have something to say to me. In fact, he might have written this verse for me in Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. For in due time and at the proper season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. You see, I did exactly what Paul said here not to do. I had grown weary and I had lost heart. And I had loosened my hold on a promise, one that I still believed. But I didn't have the courage anymore to pursue it. And I, I just, for, for, I just, it was foregoing, I foregoed the promise. Listen, there's a better way to deal with discouragement than to do what I did. The better way is to choose desire. Now, Noah Webster defines desire as an emotion or an excitement of the mind that is directed to the attainment or the possession of an object from which pleasure is expected. Okay, and he went on to say, you can love something so much that you actually become uneasy because you don't have it, and passion to have it directs and propels you until you can attain what you want. So desire that is powerful. Desire causes you to overcome your disappointment. You could say to step over it, and to go after again what God promised you. You get your courage back. And that's eventually what happened to me. See, I shelved those healing promises, but eventually, desire got the best of me. I wanted to be healed so bad that that desire sent me back to that shelf where I could get those promises back out. And I went to the presence of God where I could learn from him. And he could teach me and help me grow in this area. And eventually, I got my courage back. Kenneth Copeland said, the word of God is not subject to our failures. So if you have failed to receive healing before, your failure does not negate that promise. The promise is still there. It's waiting for you to return to it. Okay, so if, if you have allowed discouragement to rob you of your courage, then I just want to urge you today, Get up. Step over that disappointment. Go back to God. Go back to those promises. Get your courage back. And do not let up until you have everything God has promised you. All right, now this has been a study. This is a study on identity. And healing is an identity issue. Okay, Jesus is healer. The Bible says that he is. That's his identity. You 
are healed. The Bible says that you are. That's your identity. So I'm just asking you today, can you commit yourself to making the decision that you're just going to agree with what God says is true of you? He is healer. You are healed. Joseph Prince put it this way. He said, under grace, God is the blesser and you are the blessed. Can you simply take your place? That's what I'm asking you today. Can you just take your place and believe that you are who God says you are? Amen? All right. We are going to pray tonight, and we are going to believe God. Amen? All right. So before we begin, I just want you to, to think about that last quote I read, that you are the receiver here. You are not responsible for producing healing in your body. You are the receiver of this blessing. Amen? So if you need healing tonight, would you just raise your hand? Yep, there's several of you. All right, so at your tables, maybe you can just join hands or lay hands on the people at your tables who need healing. We are going to pray together tonight, and we are going to believe God to move in this room. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your promise of healing. Jesus, thank you for the price you paid. We don't want to take it lightly that you took stripes on your back for this. You went to that whipping post even before going to the cross. And you received those stripes on your back so that we could have this privilege, this honor of being blessed by you this way with the healing power of God. You purchased this at great price to yourself, and we don't take that lightly. So thank you. We just praise you for that, God. You're a good God. You have revealed yourself to us as being so good and so faithful. So now we welcome you to move in this room. Please move freely in this room. Holy Spirit, you see these needs. You see these women who have raised their hands and said, I have a need in my body. You know each one and you know each need. So would you just please move in this room. Have have your way, your freedom to move around this room and touch those who need a touch from you. We receive it with gratitude. We're grateful, Lord, that you're willing to do this for us. And I just release the power of healing in this room in the name of Jesus. You told us, Lord, to speak to our mountain. So I'm going to speak to to sickness and disease right now and say in the name of Jesus... We command you to leave bodies in Jesus' name. We command bodies to become whole and healthy, every cell and every body in this room. Pain, leave this room in Jesus' name. Leave these daughters of God. They have a covenant with God. Jesus purchased the right for them to be whole and healthy. We speak freedom over this room in Jesus' name. I speak health to organs, to hearts, to livers, to kidneys, to lungs. I speak health in this room to tendons and ligaments and and muscles and bones. I speak health in this room to to minds and to hearts, Lord. I, I command anxiety to leave in Jesus' name, depression. Sickness and disease, you have no authority in this room. We speak Jesus in this room. Jesus. Jesus over all. 
Jesus over every situation. Jesus over every daughter of God in this room. Thank you, Lord. Begin to just thank you. God, thank you for what you're doing in this room right now. Thank you for what you're doing in the bodies of your daughters in this room right now. Thank you for healing us. We receive it with joy. We receive it with thanksgiving. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray. Amen.